1: show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner at Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at SmartRain.com. .net. He covers the Utah Jazz for kslsports.com. He's our good friend, Ben Anderson. What's up, Ben? How's it going, guys? Good, buddy. How's your summer?
2: Uh, it's been nice so far, actually. It's kind to slow down a little bit. I know you guys are gearing up for football, and we've got the draft coming up. But, yeah, it's kind of uh, finally after the Jazz season ended, unfortunately, a little sooner than I think everyone hoped. Uh, everyone got to breathe a little bit though so <laughs> it, is, it is one upside i guess
3: ben people know you from uh from your appearances and your work and all that but what what is uh what does ben do for fun
2: oh man i i like to go to bear lake if that's if that's uh an acceptable answer yeah, yeah, far. my parents have a little tiny uh trailer that they kind of inherited so i like to go hang out up there and mm-hmm. and waste away on the beach as long as i can and The water's so low there that it's super warm. Usually that's a very cold lake, but there's not much water and there's a lot of sun. So it's just like a hot tub in some places.
1: Mm. Man, that is a change for Bear Lake. Because yeah. I love Bear Lake's awesome, but my one complaint would be the temperature of the water because it's usually yeah. something. and And why's
3: Bear Lake got that turquoise color to it? What's What's the cause of that? You know. I don't think
2: I don't know if it's if it's something that's in the rock that's up there or, or a filtration. Because if you go to the north end where the power plant is, like the water is a crazy color turquoise. You know, mm. it's almost jade. It, it, it's shocking. I don't know if that's something they do to filter the water or clean it, or, or, or if it's, you know, limestone that exists in the water, I'm sure there's a very uh, reliable answer. I'm, I'm not the reliable source for it, though. Hmm.
1: Ben, let's let's get your overall take on the finals. What have you thought so far?
2: Right. It's been fun. I, I, you know, this has been something that the Bucks have proven they can do. You know, they've fallen behind 2-0 uh, against the Nets already, and that was a series I think a lot of people Assumed was over because the Nets had better star power, and, and we've seen the Bucks not be able to adjust in, in past playoffs. So, for Mike Budenholzer and Giannis Antetokounmpo to come back and win two games, and obviously they believe in themselves now. Chris Middleton's found his stroke. Giannis is just—he's just one of the best players we've ever seen. He, you know, he's certainly one of the best players of the modern era, and one of the best players in the league today. So, that's a team that's found some momentum and seems to have solved a little bit of that Suns equation, which is hard to do uh, as they've showed through the Western Conference playoffs. So. It's been fun. I'm glad the, the Suns didn't run away with it. I'm glad we're getting a little bit of a longer series. And, personally, I, I like the way Giannis has, has stuck with that team, and I'd love to see him be rewarded for that success.
3: Speaking of Giannis, Jake and I were having this conversation with Sam Amick earlier, and we're trying to figure out whether he is just uh, just, just sort of working his way through this injury and he's a tough guy because he, he doesn't really – limp around or make a show of it at all is he is he really feeling well in this miraculous healing or is he just not showing his pain and playing great it's
2: so hard to tell what happened with that injury because we all saw the hyperextension. extension but here's the weird thing and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of backstory here the first time i ever covered the draft i was in new york and they do kind of your your pre-interview with the players the day before the actual draft so It was the Dante Exum and Rodney Hood draft for the Jazz, and I can't remember exactly what year. That was now 2013 or something, 2014, I think. I think it was 2014. And the year before that, Giannis had gotten drafted. And for some reason, a lot of the NBA players, especially young guys, they go back to the draft the next year, and they're just kind of hanging out. I know one of his brothers was involved, too, so that was probably the reason Giannis was there. And I'd never seen him up close, and we kind of walked out of the building next to each other. And I'm six feet tall, and his – hip was up to my shoulder. And and I'm not kidding when I say that. I know we exaggerate. He just has the freakiest body I've ever seen on any NBA player ever. And these guys are all huge. And he stands out amongst these guys as just being having an insane one in six billion build. So he is so long already that, you know, everyone hyperextends their knees. Maybe though when your leg is five and a half feet long, that hyperextension looks exaggerated even though it's the same degree that everyone does or maybe does more you know, casually, it just doesn't look as bad because our legs aren't that long, our limbs aren't that long. So I don't know if that's kind of been my theory on it, is that, hey, that was a standard, you know, hyperextension and it just looked bad because it's so long, so everything kinda gets dramatic or looks more dramatic because his hip and his ankle look so far forward compared to the average human body or if he's just you know doing superhero stuff right now and recognizing this is his best chance to ever win a finals and he's getting shots before and you know taking a bunch of ibuprofen and just trying to make sure he's fully healthy but regardless it's it's one of the best performances we've ever seen and he's just absolutely dominating this series and we just don't see guys do it in these small markets like milwaukee so it's been fun to watch and good for him for for finding a way to get on the floor
1: the way Giannis is playing, uh, regardless of how hurt he is, has been terrific. And Phoenix, at least the last two games, hasn't had much of an answer for him. Is there anything that you see the Suns doing differently uh, to try and limit his abilities?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you can try some of the different drop coverage, you know, that the Jazz have tried to do. Remember, they, they'll they put Rudy Gobert on, on a guy like Giannis and just say, we're going to sit back. And if you want to drive to the paint, we think we've got enough rim protection The Jazz do it with Gobert Uh, other sons could try and do it with DeAndre Ayton and say like, if you want to get a full head of steam, we think we can actually stop you at the rim and the refs aren't going to blow the whistle every time. Then again, Monty Williams just the other day was complaining about how they're blowing the whistle every time when they foul him. So he's a superstar and he's getting those calls now. So he's, he's, you know, he's Shaq. He's LeBron James. He's kind of got Kevin Durant in him. He just has all these weird features from these great players historically. And then he moves like a guard. So he's, trouble there's just not many players on the earth that can match up with him and he gets downhill I mean as well as anybody I've ever seen I, I talked to Gordy Chase about it who I know you guys talked to as well and he said it reminded him of Magic Johnson who was just six nine and would go downhill and he would push the ball forward to create space for his body and then you don't realize it and you look up and you're underneath the basket and he's getting a layup and in Giannis's case because it seems like he's got this infinite wingspan it ends up in a dunk every time so no, he's just—he's just one of the most impossible bodies we've ever seen to stop. And on top, his skill set is is catching up to his physicality, and that's something you know Shaq did, and that's when he started winning championships, and that's what the best players in the world do.
3: So Ben, I'm a big made shots kind of guy, and Jake gives me a hard time about that. But the Bucks last night win a game in which they shoot 40 percent and 24 percent from beyond the arc. Now I understand that uh, you know I mean the the sun said what seventeen turnovers and the Bucks were really good offensive rebounding and getting after it and whatnot, but how in the world are the Bucks winning games like this?
2: Yeah, and this has been a weird kind of math equation that Mike Budenholzer has done a, a lot, and he's kind of gone contrary to to popular beliefs. Now they shoot the three a lot, and they've been willing to shoot a lot of threes even when they didn't make them, like last night, like you talked about. But they're also giving up a lot of threes for a while, which would seem kind of the opposite of what you want to do uh, and, and not allowing a team going out and you know, team success mm-hmm. or, or getting a class the Bucs But, you know, they have kind of been willing to try a couple of different approaches. And, and one of the things I think they've been successful at now, which has worked and, and worked last night, is, you know, they may have given Chris Paul his worst game of the, of the playoffs so far. Chris Paul has been kind of the shoe and I thought, of the, the finals MVP uh, if they were able to win it all. And last night, they kind of found a way to slow him down despite the fact that Devin Booker went off. So I, I don't think Phoenix has this incredible depth of scores. You know, we know how good Devin Booker is, and like we said, he was terrific last night. And then we know how good Chris Paul can be when he's on and, and certainly was uh, last night. But then you look down the line, you realize, okay, it's like, is Cam Johnson going to go off for you? You're okay with your Crowder going, what, was it 3 of 10 last night? DeAndre Aiton only got nine shots up and only made three of those despite getting a bunch of rebounds. So there's, there's just not endless answers for the Suns. And once you can kind of take them out of that and figure out how to stop some of their offensive attacks, I, I think you're going to be in good shape, and I think that that's what we're seeing. And look, the Suns probably have to take more threes. I mean, I mean they only took 23 attempts last night and made seven, so they shot 30%, and that wasn't very good. But, but only, made, only making seven threes, it, it allows – the Bucks to play a type of defense where they can just kind of clutter the rim with Giannis, who's a good rim protector, and with Brooke Lopez, who's a good rim protector, and Drew Holiday, who's just a good perimeter defender in general, that's just going to make it – that's a hard equation for the Suns. So they need to have both Devin Booker and Chris Paul going off, and Chris Paul's got to take more than 13 shots. It's a similar problem to what the Jazz had when John Stockton was in the finals. So he can't just be a point guard. He's got to be a scorer,
0: too.
1: Ben Anderson with us from uh, kslsports.com. And I know you wrote today, uh, Ben, about uh, possible picks there at number 30 for the Utah Jazz. But I guess the question I
2: have for you is, what is the likelihood they make that pick? I think that's an interesting question because there's there's a few schools of thought. First of all, we don't know if Yudoka Azebuki is ever going to be much of a player for the Jazz. And we just think that to see him as a freshman, or I should say as a rookie, sorry, uh, he didn't play a whole lot. He's kind of third on that depth chart. That could change depending on what happens with Derek Favors in the offseason or how effective he is next year or if the Jazz decide they want somebody who you can dump the ball down to, who can kind of turn over one of his shoulders and get a shot. That's not something Quinn Snyder does a lot, but that's something Yudoka, as a bookie, proved he could do when he was at Kansas. So, you know, maybe he has a good piece. Maybe he has a player that, that has some potential for the Jazz. We just didn't get to learn it. And without knowing what he is it's hard to understand what the jazz kind of group of young players looks like. We, we, we saw Trent Forrest a little bit. He's got some skills. He looks like an NBA player, but I don't know if he's a difference maker every, you know, I think all the questions are still out on Elijah Hughes. We don't know what he's going to offer at all. So the jazz need to have a good young player championship teams always have a good young guy on a rookie contract that finds a way to come in and help you win games and you know you're seeing that right now with the Suns when they've got a guy like Mikael Bridges who can come in and help you and, and plays you know very serious minutes and, and plays a lot and, and finds a way to, to to make a difference on a really small contract you know Kawhi Leonard used to do that with the San Antonio Spurs so the Jazz need to hit on somebody late in the first round but they could also move the 30th pick and try and move up which is something they've been very aggressive in the past with the shift in what Dennis Lindsay's role is with the team Do they take a major, you know, change in how they approach draft night? Was that just the Dennis Lindsay thing trying to be that aggressive? Or does Justin Zanuck try and follow up with that? Do they move back to the second round and and try and get a couple of pieces? You know, maybe you try and get two swings at the bat, uh, just saying that, hey, it's better to have a couple of options in the second round and not be locked into a guaranteed contract with the 30th pick, which, you know, is only one spot away from having a little bit more freedom and negotiation with the cost of what that guy is going to be if you're talking about a rookie deal. So I think there's a few options there. The Jazz have shown recently, you know, remember they went out and got Jarrell Brantley and Lee Oni and a couple of options late in the second round a few years ago. I think they like bringing in lots of young talent and then hoping one piece works out. Maybe they won't put all their eggs in one basket with the 30th pick. But they, they need to hit. They need to have somebody who comes in and contributes because they're not going to have their pick next year. That's going to go to Memphis to complete the Mike Conley deal. So they have to find cheap contributions, especially now that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's contracts have kicked in.
3: Is there anybody been in the fold that you think can fill a role like that, or are all the you mentioned a couple of them? But are are those guys just kind of lost and and, and won't really help the
2: team? Guys that are already on the roster or guys that would be in the draft?
3: Uh, Guys who are on the roster.
2: I I think there are. You know, we'll have to see what happens with Elijah Hughes, and I I think Summerlee could be really good for him. I I suspect he'll have a bit of a breakout because he's a scorer, and and those guys generally do have an impact. And, you know, if George Yang leaves in free agency because George Yang played so well last year and and gets good money uh, on another team, which I think is certainly possible, if someone wants to pay him $5 million and the Jazz already find themselves in the luxury tax, if they can bring back a guy like Mike Conley – Maybe you don't pay all that extra money to bring uh, George Nyang back, but maybe Elijah Hughes can step in and play a little bit of that kind of 3-4, even though he's not that big and didn't play that big at Syracuse. Maybe he steps in and, and fills that role of a guy who just says, hey, I'll take four threes a game in 11 minutes. Like He wanted to shoot every time he got on the floor like, in games as it was, so maybe he does fill that role. I, I think Trent Forrest has some real chops as a defensive player. If he can show he can hit the corner three, that's valuable because the Jazz couldn't stop anybody. Uh, against the Los Angeles Clippers late in that series on, on on the perimeter, and that's something I think Trent Forrest has the, the, the length and the athleticism to be able to do. So I, I think there's some pieces there. I, I think Azabuki, like we said, could be an option for the Jazz if they feel like, hey, these teams are going to go small against Rudy Gobert, and Rudy can't catch the ball in the post and, and, and get a basket. Azabuki shot like 75% in, in college from the floor because that's all he did. He's just so strong. If you threw him the ball down low, he was going to turn and dunk on you like Shaq did, and he has soft touch. So I actually think there's some value there as well. I think we're going to get a good taste of it in Salt Lake and then in Las Vegas, and hopefully that's promising, plus whoever they draft.
1: Kind of a two-parter for you, Ben. Um, how do you, or what do you think about how the Team USA is constructed, and do you expect them still to win gold?
2: I will say yes, I still expect them to win gold because they, just, they are so much more talented than everybody else. Now, we have seen the flaws with that talent when you have an Australian team when these guys have been playing together for three and four Olympics. You know, Joe Ingles, I think this is his fourth. I think Patty Mills, this is his fourth. Those guys have spent a ton of time in international basketball together. And it's amazing watching them scrimmage in these friendlies against Team USA. where Team USA, makes these passes and you're like, okay, that guy's open. And then so quickly, Australia has rotated and has closed that space. And some of that's because the three-point line's a little bit closer. And some of it's just because the USA guys have never played that much together, and because Australia has or Nigeria has, these, these teams just are playing so hard. Now, I don't think Team USA was playing their hardest in Las Vegas. I think understandably they weren't playing their hardest in Las Vegas. They need to get to, uh, they need to, get to Tokyo before they really start taking it totally seriously. And you know, Mie Aoni and Nigeria are going to remember beating Team USA in that scrimmage forever, and it, it didn't matter. And Joe Ingalls in Australia are going to remember beating Team USA in a scrimmage that really didn't matter. But it's still, you know, it's a big event for those countries because 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, it was unfathomable to beat the green team and to beat Team USA. So those guys are going to come out and treat those opportunities like the Super Bowl. And, And that's really awesome that they're able to do that. When you get to Tokyo, that should be different. But there are clearly issues with this team. I don't think they have a great floor general point guard. They've got a lot of scorers but they could use a Chris Paul, they could use a veteran who's been in the Olympics before, and they don't really have that guy, a little bit in Draymond, a little bit in Kevin Durant, a little bit in Kevin Love, but Kevin Love hasn't played at all. So we're just not seeing a super experienced group, and that makes them vulnerable. And and France is really good, and Spain is really good, and clearly Australia is really good. I would be stunned if USA didn't medal, but I wouldn't be stunned if they don't win the gold.
3: So Ben, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, Jake and I, neither one of us, really likes to rip the referees much. But I saw that somebody tweeted out after the game last night that uh, Devin Booker was the first NBA player in history to score forty-two points and have seven personal fouls. Yeah. Uh, what did you make of that call? And do you think that was a situational call where a referee did not knew knew a star player? Had uh, was about to foul out and decided not to blow the whistle? Or do you think that was a case? And beyond that, do you think that happens frequently? And then the other part of it is, it, do you think uh, that referees are just human? They don't have lasers for eyes, and sometimes they make mistakes. I, I
2: I hope, I sincerely hope there wasn't this thought that, hey, Devin Booker's a star. He's one of the young stars in the NBA, so we're not going to foul him out where with four minutes with a Drew Holiday. I mean, he grabbed him. It was so – it's so obvious looking back at the photos and some of the video. Just like, oh, that way He hacked him, absolutely. And I don't know if the ref just – the moment was too big for him to blow the whistle. That can't happen in the finals. But we've seen, you know, grievous errors in, in, in important games in the past, both in the NBA and the NFL and Major League Baseball. So I, I do think it does happen. And I do think potentially you look at where the referee was positioned and where Devin Booker was kind of in between – where he was committing the foul and the referee's vision, that there's enough there that I can just have faith and trust that he just missed the call. He thought it was maybe a clean play. Maybe they thought that the Bucks were just going up to draw a foul and didn't do enough to actually try and get a shot. But you look back, and I mean, Devin Booker's got a hand around his waist and another hand on his arm. Like, it was such a clear foul. I don't think necessarily it was an idea to say, hey, we're going to keep Devin Booker on the floor because, you know, it's better for the NBA product. But, but it was an enormous error, and it was a huge mistake. And, yeah, he should have been out of the game with four minutes to go. So it's both inexcusable and also understandable, but I don't think it's necessarily nefarious. He makes
1: the magic happen for KSLsports.com. Check out his latest uh, pers- uh, perspective picks at number 30 for the Utah Jazz. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at Ben's Hoops. He is Ben Anderson. Ben, thank you very much as always. We appreciate Thanks, you. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, guys. Take care. Always interesting talking with Ben. Oh, yeah. He, d- he really does a great job. Um, in fact, I, I, I'm a fan of what uh, they're doing over there at KSL Sports in general. Uh, they they do uh, good work over there. Our, our old friend uh, Nate Dowdle kind of captains that ship. Remember Nate? Producer here sure. at The Zone for a long time. Yeah. I interned under Nate. Did you really? Yeah, he was the producer I first interned under here. But, uh Smart having Ben Anderson cover the jazz, because Ben's great.
3: Oh, he there's great no doubt about that. And I remember when all those guys were about two years old. True. And I was, go back sick, I was 60 at that time. <laughs>
1: I like it how you've you turned into the old jokes, <laughs> turned into the spin there. It's good. Uh, I want to remind you about our friends at Zero Res. When I get the carpets cleaned, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean and won't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean, plus a fourth room for free. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule. With Zero Res today. We'll have more big show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.
0: This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Presented by Big O Tires. With the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires. The team you trust.
1: It's Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The
3: Zone. Welcome on back. Jake, earlier in the show. I'm, we talked about injuries in basketball? We did. I have in front of me a list of the five most common basketball injuries. This sounds like a real downer. <laughs> no. No, it's just information. What do you think the number 1 injury is in basketball? Punctured trachea. No, stop it.
1: <laughs> what do you just ask? Stop me? it. You know what's coming. I'm gonna think of the most smart alecky thing I could think. Uh, what is number it? one? <clears throat> Headache.
3: You are such a. Th- Dental pain. Foot slash ankle injuries. Okay, that makes some Eric sense. Eric nailed it. Number two. Hip slash thigh injuries. I
1: would have thought. Well, I guess. Thigh injury, that makes it a little more common. You don't hear of a whole lot of hip injuries. I guess Isaiah Thomas had that really bad hip injury. But thigh, okay.
3: Number three, the knee. Mm -hmm. Predictable. Number four, wrist-slash-hand injuries. A lot
1: of wrist injuries out there. That makes sense. Number five, head-slash-face injuries? Concussion, maybe? (laughs)
3: I guess I don't know face
1: I, injury. Well, broken noses, you you see that a fair amount. I don't know number five. That seems a little high, but
3: this is from an orthopedic. Uh, but then again, you 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 uh,
1: combine clinic. these big swaths of the body into one category, like hip and thigh. <laughs>
3: That's true. I mean,
1: you kind of include everything in the first four, right?
3: <laughs> there's nothing left. Foot
1: and ankle. Yeah. Those are two different things, but those are major things. Like, yeah, there's nothing left to be hurt. Maybe shoulder.
3: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I thought I'd pass that along. Uh, I still think that, that players who spend more time in the air have a greater risk of injury than players who are earthbound. That's nice. That makes sense, doesn't it?
1: Nah, not really. No. No, I, I would think the the more injured in basketball would be the players that are changing direction a lot. That's where a lot of your knee and ankle stuff comes from, right? Your lateral movement. As opposed to landing on something Yeah. other than the hardwood? I don't know. It, your, your theory I don't think necessarily
3: holds water, that's all. <laughs> Neither one of us knows what we're no, talking uh-uh. about. I, I've just seen so many cases of someone landing on someone else's foot. And then having an ankle or a knee buckle, and the 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 opportunity for that is much greater when you're not a horizontal player, earthbound on the floor,
1: as opposed to in the air. Yeah, but then you plant, and how many times have you seen somebody plant while running? I mean, Kawhi Leonard was running when he hurt himself
3: against the Jazz. More doc talk coming up with Jacob. No,
1: me. I don't know why you're so obsessed with his theory. You went into it a great length early in the show, and now you've done research, and you're
3: you're back to All right, it well, up. look, what explain what happened to Giannis.
1: He, he hyperextended
3: his knee. But why?
1: Because he's playing basketball. <laughs> Never mind.
3: You're so difficult. How am I difficult? Thank you, Eric. Was that on the air? Will you say it on the air, please, because Jake won't. He was above the rim.
4: He came down funny. There was a mess of feet underneath him.
1: So now we have to rattle off all the other anecdotal injuries that happen when they're not landing? I mean, what's your point?
3: (laughs) No, but that's why I was talking about it. Because of that. And the same thing happened with Donovan. With his ankle. He was in the air. Who was a? Who was the dude who came over? What Was the guy's name? Oh, uh, you know who I'm talking about. who was it? Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, but he was but on the ground. The opponent when, who shall not be named. He was
1: on the ground when Paul George ran into him in the playoffs. <laughs> was that
4: Patrick Beverly?
1: Was it Patrick Beverly? No, I don't it think was, it was. No, it was somebody, no, it was somebody I mean, less consequential than that. I think. Yes. I'm trying to remember who exactly it was. Was it Dirty? I remember that that question popped into my mind. Because I can't remember came... if we talked about it on the show, but it seemed like he they crept under him a little bit, which I do think is a dirty play that often gets
3: excused as an accident. Oh, wow. Well, and the most famous example of that would be? Oh, Zaza sliding <laughs> under Kawhi Leonard.
1: That was, that was one of the dirtiest plays I've ever seen. And I actually had an argument on the radio with Tony Parks at the time about whether or not that was a dirty play. It's like, it yes, was dirty. he
0: slid right under him. <laughs>
3: yes. There is no doubt about that. Let's see here. I what can't, are, I what can't, are you doing? I, I'm looking for the
1: name. I wanted oh, to see the blame. Of, of when the initial yeah. injury
3: happened. Yeah. Anyway, if anybody remembers.
1: Hey, uh, I, uh, I I saw Zach Wilson's uncle getting blasted for this, and let me ask you if if this is uh, fair criticism. All right, okay. Do you know that Zach Wilson's uncle, mm-hmm. his name is David Nealman. Yeah, he started. Uh, didn't he help start uh, JetBlue? JetBlue, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys run in the same social circles, so you probably know him well. Hardly. He's like worth four hundred million or so, man. Uh, eh? Well, you know, I said same social circles. What? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so I only have one Porsche. So here's uh, here's what he's doing. He he came up with an idea for a Wilson weekend. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so basically, what he's doing, he's chartered a flight from Salt Lake City to Charlotte to watch Zach Wilson's first NFL game, Week One against the Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Now, the trip includes round trip airfare. Hotel rooms and transportation to and from Bank of America Stadium, but not tickets to the game, just uh, lodging, transportation, flight. Now, people were blasting Uncle uh, David here <laughs> for the price. Now, have you seen this story? I uh, have. If you have, okay, then it would make a guessing game not so fun. Uh, w- Eric, have you seen this story? What, w- what would you guess would be a fair price? for Uncle David to charge. So it's... Flight... Round from trip airfare. Salt Lake to Charlotte. Okay. Hotel. Hotel. Transportation to and from the game. So round trip... The cheapest you can
4: get a round trip flight right now is like $500, probably. So mm-hmm. $500. Hotel, that's got to run you... How many nights are you staying? Like a weekend? So that's probably like 200 bucks on my hotel. And maybe like... A hundred bucks for transportation with the way gas money is right now.
1: Yeah, you can't so, rent a car. So eight hundred, nine hundred dollars? All right, all right. So Zach's uncle, Uncle David here, uh, is, uh, prices range from five ninety nine to seven ninety nine per person. And he was being blasted online for like gouging people. Really? That was cr- I. I saw that. I was like, oh, that's a crazy good deal. I was like, here's a juicy story: Zach Wilson's uncle Greg gouging folks to go see Zach play. And I clicked through, and I was like, uh, six to eight hundred bucks. That that seems like a screaming deal. Yeah, yeah that that's fine. what I thought. I couldn't yeah. believe that uh, the the trolls online were blasting Uncle David. I thought now, that if seemed it were like something
4: a, like a thousand dollars, maybe. But... Right, and,
1: and for like. Way overcharging for the privilege of hanging out with Zach Wilson's family. You know, they're gouging people.
3: This seems like a guy who has access to some planes <laughs> stoked about his nephew playing oh, at here. Yeah, but see what happens is people see the 400 million and they think, why aren't you comping all this? For just strangers who happen to be Zach Wilson fans? Well, of- how many people are involved here? Is it just one plane or is it a group of planes? I think it's just one plane.
1: What are you gonna blast? it? This does not seem to me like you're squeezing folks because no. you happen to be related to a uh, an NFL football no, player. No, I didn't think so, Fifth Thing, it's a discount. Yeah, if anything, you're you're like jazzing up the support. What'd you say? It Was like five ninety
4: nine? 99 the lowest price yeah, one. Yeah, five
1: ninety nine to seven ninety nine, probably depending on what hotel room you get. Yeah, up. that sounds yeah. Totally so. We talked reasonable. about
4: it, but you're yeah. paying like ninety nine dollars basically for the hotel and the transportation. Yeah. is what it takes to get a round-trip plane ticket at the cheapest cost anywhere in the country right now.
3: But is it one night or is it two? I have no idea. Does it matter?
1: Well, I mean, that would make it more expensive. Yeah, but, I mean, this is still a a pretty screaming deal. (laughs) I thought it was okay. Okay. I, you know. I mean, if the guy was charging like five grand because, hey, come hang out with the Wilsons as we watch Zach uh, <laughs> play in his first NFL game, you know, pay for the privilege oh, of hanging yeah. out with mm-hmm. us, that would be super obnoxious. This just seems like a guy who had an idea and he's like, hey, let's rally this thing together. Like the, like the uh, you know, the the fun bus to the bowl games <laughs> in college football. You a know what fun I mean? Bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with hey, you. Hey, everybody kick in $100. bucks. we are going to get a bus to go to Albuquerque for the New Mexico Bowl.
3: <laughs> you know? This seems like that, but with a plane. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this? A couple things, actually. A uh, first is um, they are playing Carolina. Yeah. And who's the starting quarterback for Carolina? Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah. yeah. That is a, a bit of a... Uh... Intrigued the I Jets suppose. traded away to draft Zach Wilson. I'm going to pick Carolina in that game. So that will be. How is Zach doing back there? And I during uh, OTAs, it seemed like he was kind of hit and miss a little bit. He was kind of making some rookie mistakes, but he was kind of okay at times.
4: I I, I follow the New York market. Pretty what are they saying closely? back there? They the Jets b writers by and large like what they've seen from it.
1: Really. I, I, They're also
4: really high on the Elijah Moore kid who they drafted with him.
1: I'm a little worried. He's, like, I saw a picture of him uh, working out in sunglasses the other day. <laughs> I,
3: I'm a little worried that, like, setting himself up for the fall a little bit. Are you uh, worried that he may actually, some of, the, some of the things that were said about him by certain doubters might have been true? No, I'm just, arrogance.
1: No, no, no. I I think for the most I think it's a fun thing. Like, I, I, I don't think it's actually anything to, to be critical to of. But I, I'm thinking like, you know, sunglass throwing football on sunglasses. Pictures are all real cute. But, you know, when you lose your third game in a row by 20. <laughs> that well, that not... might be that might be used against him a little bit. You you're know not what I mean? high
3: on, on, on Wilson on, on the Jets, but you're not blaming it on Wilson. No, you're no, no, it no. on the Jets. He's going to be
1: a rookie quarterback on the Jets. <laughs> He's going to lose a lot by a lot. <laughs> now, maybe that doesn't last forever, but right out of the gate, they're going
3: to lose a lot by a lot of points. I was talking with Eric about this earlier, and Eric, you made a good point. You said you thought that he was going to get better as the season went on.
4: Yeah, I think that... What Jake says is true. I think that the first few weeks, five or six weeks, if he goes into week six and they're one and five, I mean, their schedule's tough if you look at it. But if he comes around the back end of that season and has, you know, a little promise, that's all you really need in the NFL is to show that you're worthwhile and yeah. keeping around for a second Especially
3: year. Especially
1: as a rookie. But the, I guess what I'm saying is the the, the new guy charm, wears off quick <laughs> when, it, <laughs> when it's not when going the well. Are
3: being rung up. <laughs> yeah.
4: So, Jake, I have a question for you. Okay. So, let's say first four games of the season, how many of those games do the Jets
1: n- not cover? All of them? <laughs> well, no, they're going to be underdogs by, like, 20 points anyway. So, what, they lose by I 18 think, instead of 20? I think they'll cover
3: most. I don't. Eh. Who are the teams, do you know? It doesn't. It, uh, yeah. All right. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch, that's for sure, because, I mean, you draft a rookie quarterback, number two, and you're expecting him to be your starter right from the get-go. And it, it usually doesn't go well to no fault of the quarterback
1: necessarily because the Jets didn't have the number two pick last year because they had a monster <laughs> roster that they're going to bring back. Yeah. And rookie quarterbacks, I don't care who you are, you're likely going to struggle. I mean, Peyton Manning uh, had a really good rookie year, and he threw about 300
3: interceptions. Yeah, John always struggled, I remember. It's just, it's a fact. It's, yeah. So you can't draw concrete conclusions, obviously, but you do see moments of of brilliance. Uh, Give us that again.
4: Panthers, Patriots, Broncos, Titans, first four weeks. Hmm.
3: Yeah, that could be a rough, a rough uh, intro to the league, but... I, I, if people see out of Zach the, the top end of his talent on occasion, uh, I, I think that's enough. That's enough. But as far as decision-making goes and, you know, the sophisticated defenses in the NFL, he's going to make mistakes. There's no doubt about that. Join us at
1: the warehouse coming up uh, tomorrow. Gordon, it'll be fun hanging out down there. 1825 South, 300 West. The price is so low. It'll blow your mind. It's The Warehouse. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: This is The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Presented by Big O Tires. With the lowest price on every tire, every day. With no credit needed financing options available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. It's
1: The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us
3: a part of your day. Got nothing to say over there? I'm just looking something up uh, real quick. Uh, apparently, uh, where, where's this guy from? Uh, Oklahoma. No. <laughs> our good friend Tony Jones tweeted out that uh, the Jazz may be interested. In drafting uh what's his name from uh Gonzaga? Joel Joel uh, how do you say his name? Go ahead. A Y A Y E. Uh-huh, Go how ahead. how do you say that name? Ayi. Aye. Aye, aye,
4: aye. aye, aye. aye, aye, Joel Aye-aye,
3: right? That would be a great call for Locke. Ay No, I t- he just tweeted that out, so I mean, I The kid was a Gonzaga last year, averaged 12 points, uh, 7 rebounds, 3 assists.
1: I don't see the Jazz making the—we asked Ben Anderson about this earlier uh, in the 5 o'clock hour. I don't think they make the 30th pick. You think they'll either move up or move out? M- yeah, move up or move down. I mean, it just—so with the Jazz cap situation, they don't really want a guaranteed contract unless it's worth it. Right, Right. unless you're getting somebody who's going to contribute because they're paying the luxury tax. So basically the salary that they'd be guaranteeing to the 30th pick is triple what it is on paper. Maybe not quite triple, but I think you get my point. Yeah, I So developing or or drafting a project this particular year is going to be really expensive. So if you move back even one spot, you don't have to guarantee the contract of your draft pick. And that Mm -hmm. way, if you pick somebody and it's a hit, well then you gladly sign them, pay the extra bucks and and have them contribute right away, but you're not forced to carry dead weight essentially a developing player who you have to pay. So What
3: what is the uh what are the conditions on a second round draft pick? Nothing. I mean, you don't have to sign your second round draft picks. And if you do sign them, do they have a loophole to escape their contract quicker? or Yes, not? that's
1: uh, that's exactly what, I mean, he wasn't a second-round draft pick, but that's exactly what happened with Wesley Matthews, yes, if, right. you, if you remember back. I do. Uh, the most famous one was probably, no, there's the, the two most famous. Well, actually, Boozer doesn't count. I take that back. Gilbert Arenas is probably the most famous. He had a monster rookie year out of the blue with Golden State back when Golden State wasn't terrific and then was able to go and sign a max deal with, Washington. The year after, which actually turned out to be a lot more money than he would have been uh, avail- eligible for if he were actually a first-round pick.
3: So it's risky from a standpoint; you could lose the
1: player, if you, right? If you do yes. hit on him, you could. But you the the key the key is the guarantee part. Because we know, I mean, we've covered enough drafts, Gordon. You know, sometimes you do hit late in the draft yeah. with a player who can contribute immediately. We've seen that. I mean, Paul Millsap's probably. Oh, the we're best. talking
3: about Chris Middleton. I mean, Chris earlier. Middleton, yeah, it, 39th pick overall.
1: It's there, but what what what's the percentage uh, of doing that?
3: Well, I don't. There's there's a lot of examples of it. I mean, relative to the there's total not number though of picks.
1: Yeah, out percentage out of the,
3: wise, it's not high, I guess, but they they do exist. They I exist, but out been,
1: of the thirty picks, it's maybe one. Well, Ter- so, Terrence Mann, the dude who
3: killed the Jazz. Well, again, he was you a can
1: 48th pick. Find the one you could find the one. Same thing with the, the Joker. One. And Jimmy Butler was in the second round, and Tony Parker, and on and on and on. But what what's the
3: percentage of that? There's 30 second round picks a draft. I think wasn't was Tony the I think that was Tony the last pick in the first round. Was or he? Or I he,
1: thought second, but he could have been. Yeah, last I do anyway,
3: I get your point. So um, I mean,
1: yeah. you know, you you're hedging your bets a little bit because you don't want to guarantee a guy that's got a low percentage chance of being that yeah and i don't think i don't think they can trade up far enough to make trading up worth it because they don't have the assets to do it unless they want to throw in a rotational guy and at that point is it worth it if you can get up to 12 you've got to
3: be in love with the guy yeah,
1: yeah if you can move up to 12 or 13 by including joe ingles is that really worth it because you're still taking a risk on 12 or 13. Yeah. How many of those picks have we seen not come in and contribute That's right true. away? That's true. So I don't think that they make the pick. I think that they trade for a pick in a different year or they move down for a couple of seconds or even move it for cash. I don't know. But I don't think they make the 30th pick. Well, interesting. Well, that just made draft night really uninteresting. Well, as the person who's likely hosting draft night. <laughs> Don't listen, it, to anybody Because there won't be anything fun happening. It doesn't bring me much pleasure <laughs> to say that, but I don't think I don't think they stay and make a pick at thirty. Well, we'll see. It would. I think it would be foolish to do so. Actually, I'm
3: telling you, Joel. ay aye, aye, for three. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Well, someone knows.
1: Justin do you think Zanuck they? I'm not even sure knows. they know oh, I think they know what they'd prefer. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think they're going in. I would guess that they wouldn't be going into the draft thinking that they're going to make the 30th pick. Now, maybe they don't know what they're going to do, trade up, trade down, et cetera. But I,
3: I bet they go in with the intention that they are not going to make that pick. Draft Central with Jake Scott. Pay listen no to attention them. to the man behind the curtain because nothing's <laughs> happening around here. Come listen to him trade out. <laughs> Stick around. Make it through another 10 segments, and we'll find out if the Jazz make a pick or not. Probably not.
1: And they'll probably make me look dumb by staying put and making the pick. But I don't think that that would be the smart thing to do from a roster
3: construction standpoint. Hmm. I, I hear what you're saying. I just don't know what they're thinking at this point. I bet they know, though. They've got a strategy already dialed up. Well, if they're okay, so how do they best get rid of the pick? Do they wait, or do they uh, do they uh, sort of talk to folks? Oh, they talk, but
1: the the deal won't be official until draft night. All likely, right. all right. Actually, I don't think it can be official until draft night.
3: Yeah, but you know what I mean. But yeah, they'll talk.
1: They'll, wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll have an idea. But but part of it too is you know you you've. you've Got to see, like, if a team sees their guy fall, right. that's how you move out of the 30th pick is uh-huh. is some team out there has their eye on somebody and that guy falls, and then you get some leverage where you can move out. But, I mean, it's not like they're going to trade the 30th pick for anything all that worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, I it's going to be a couple of seconds or cash or something like that. They're not going to flip the 30th pick for an impact player.
3: Well, i sure I'm looking forward to July 29th.
1: Is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.